Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker Humphreys, producer Becky, Kate Longhurst, and Jilly Flatty. Full house, baby. House. They said we couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) The Ringer really did say we shouldn't do it. It's too many people, but here we are. We forced it through on Bank Holiday Monday, guys. Um, It's really fun to have everyone in the house, too, to go out with a bang on the end of the season after the final weekend in the WSL. Kate, we have to come to you first because... It was an emotional one for you on Saturday. Sorry, I just choked. <laughs> it wasn't about being emotional. I just, you know, it's okay. Just so don't have to cry. Um, but yeah, you said goodbye to West Ham. Got some prezies as well. It was an emotional day. I did. Yeah. Um, I actually thought I probably would break, and I thought I'd cry, and I didn't. But I did have a little tear upstairs when they said they'd put a video together, and I think I just thought, oh people are going to say nice messages so I started crying before <laughs> and then it wasn't even that sad and then it was just like stupid stuff I've done and, <laughs> and a message from Declan Rice and Mark Noble as well which Aww. was nice so yeah cool and like what what kind of videos we're we talking about like just like videos of me dancing things like that <laughs> okay um mainly off Lisa's vlog that she did oh yeah classic just stuff oh. like that and a little bit of football yeah and you got some nice gifts from a few fans as well. I did. Yeah. Got some jewellery. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I got a Decanio signed shirt. Very nice. Um, yeah. Was it weird playing your last game in Daggers? Obviously, you've been, you were at the club, what, five years? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of fans were also pretty surprised to see the news. So was that, was that tough to know that, you know, they that reaction was happening with them as well. Yeah, I didn't actually expect as many messages as I got um, or a reaction. I thought it would just get announced and then like a few people would be like, oh, you know, what's going on? Or good yeah. luck or whatever. But um, yeah, I actually got, like my phone was non-stop and I hate sitting on my phone all day, but I literally found myself just like scrolling and reading all day really. So that was quite nice. I appreciated how fuming some people were in the replies as well <laughs> to, the club, to the club tweet. Um, what made you what like come to this decision? Because obviously I know it must be hard as it is your football club and must have been a bit of a dream to play for your team as well. So what made you come to this decision? Um, ideally, I wanted to retire at West Ham. Um, but there were situations where I think mutually it was probably best. Um, I wasn't getting a lot of game time where I felt I wasn't really getting the chance either. Um, and... I just think there, it it just wasn't how I wanted my last season to go, um, and the club didn't offer me a contract. But I'd also kind of decided in March that I wasn't happy there either. Um, as much as I loved my whole time there, uh, it just felt right in terms of okay, I still think I've got plenty left to give, um, but I don't think that I'm in a position where I'm able to give absolutely everything because I'm not on the pitch and I'm not helping and we weren't playing well. I didn't leave because of the football or because we weren't playing well and getting results. I left because I just felt like I wasn't contributing enough and I thought maybe it's time for for new players to come through and younger players to come through if that's what they want. Um, So, yeah, it's just kind of a mutual thing, really. 
And just to confirm, you're not retiring. I'm not retiring. Because I laughed so hard last summer when <laughs> Jilly left West Ham and you had to do a clarifying thing a few days later being like, by the way, I'm not retiring. If everyone thinks that's happening, it's not true. I'm still out here. I know. Imagine, um, what's it? The messages I've <laughs> well, got. You didn't saying, last much. Right? <laughs> 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 so, bitch, I lied. True. I'm an extra six months of wages. Um, yeah, and that's why I had to clarify that. But no one even seemed to think that about Kate. So... <laughs> They all thought you used to Maybe play. it's the way you're playing, Julie. I don't know. They might have thought you're already on the beach. You know? We know there's a long summer ahead, and you're probably just looking forward to a bit of a break. But any hints about what might be happening, or are you just kind of seeing what happens over the next few weeks? I'm seeing what happens over the next few weeks. Oh, Tight lipped. Tight lipped. Well. <laughs> We'll be finding out in the group chat, I'm sure. Um, it was obviously a massive weekend in the WSL because we saw one team relegated, one team lift the title, a little bit of chaos, sort of like sprinkled in between with what was going on between Manchester City and Arsenal briefly. But it was a, uh, a massive weekend of action, so we should probably get stuck into it after this. So let's start with the game that decided it all, really. Reading nil, Chelsea three. Jesse, you and I were there in the sun- sunshine. Julie, you were there as well with the Sky Gang. Um, I really love your outfit because <laughs> everyone else was dressed in white like they were getting married uh, on the kind of Sky desk that was out on the pitch, pitch side. But you looked like you were just going Nikki Beach and Ibiza. I really enjoyed it. Laid back, chill vibes. Yeah. Great times. That's what you get with me. No, I'm, I mean, I'm quite glad I weren't a pundit because I probably would have wore the same thing and I'd have stood out like a sore thumb. So. No, I enjoyed it. And it was um, glorious sunshine as well at the SLC. Jesse, we had a great time because we even had a pre-match drink. Love that. I had two pre-match drinks <laughs> and I think it was a mistake. Yeah, the amount of uh, drunk circle tweets <laughs> yeah, that were coming through. Coming in hard I did afterwards. drink a lot throughout that day, but it was a great day and it was a great vibes. Nice in the sun. I feel like the sun always makes me drunker. I yeah, no, it yeah. does. It does. And it was actually a lot hotter than we maybe had expected. Were you wearing sun cream, guys? No. no. I, I had to on like my face. Stroke. I had but... to like go in before they'd finished like saying goodbye to all the fans because I was like I'm so warm <laughs> <laughs> I was like I've seen the day before so. but we, <laughs> d- we discovered uh, a, a new part of Select Car Leasing Stadium which is behind the main stand there is like a secret bar I don't know if it's that I mean it's not that secret I personally had never been to the ground so (laughs) I've been loads of times but I didn't realise there's kind of like a CD bar out the back called the Jazz Cafe and the logo is a woman in high heels naked squatting playing (laughs) playing the saxophone she is she is but playing the saxophone it kind of looks like very sexy it kind of looks like that's what I look for in a woman but then you see a sign that's like it was like the Jazz Cafe is open serving curry it was like 25 degrees I don't think it was even open Open. But it, they had lights and stuff, but it was very dark in there. You wouldn't really want to go in there and glorious <laughs> We went to the sunshine. Heineken stand instead. Yeah, um, and the vibes were great. And it was mainly packed with Chelsea fans, which isn't really surprising given what's going on at Reading at the moment. Um, and that also, I think, made it slightly odd too, because it did just feel like a Chelsea home game in Reading's ground. And as much as there was an acknowledgement of what happened to Reading and it was a really emotional day for Kelly Chambers as well it didn't feel like any Reading had any say in the whole occasion it was just like the Chelsea 
everything, even to the PA announcer coming on, Jesse, and congratulating Chelsea before full time, which just felt... Worthy winners, apparently. Just, just felt so odd. Um, Jilly, I don't know what you thought about the, the kind of strangeness of everything happening all at once. I, I just felt really sad. Like, when I was up in, like, the gantry, it was like you had all Chelsea obviously celebrating and then you just saw Reading, like, collapse to the floor. Um... And then I got really emotional as well when Harder and Ericsson come off. Um, because I said it was what I found this week, even like with Kate as well, is that clubs were announcing players that were going and they don't normally do that. It's normally after the season. So it was like, I think it was nice for everybody to be able to say bye. But yeah, you had two ends of the spectrum. Um, you didn't get that at West Ham, did you? I didn't you? get it at any of my teams. Mm. They only found out at the end of the season, like on social media, which I said was quite hard really because it would have been nice to say bye but you know we move um, <laughs> but no the game I just think that's probably the first time that it's happened where the team that's won has also sent the other team down um, and it was just yeah it was emotional but it's football in it it's the way it goes yeah it's pretty cutthroat and Kelly Chambers was really emotional afterwards in all her post-match interviews she had to do so many as well because there's so many broadcasters she cried in every single one and the woman is eight months pregnant so with all of this stress of relegation and what's been going on at the football club as a whole and the men's side as well, and she's due in like a month, I just can't imagine the stress of what Mm. she's gone through. Um, And there was not a lot to say on her future, to be honest. I know a lot of people think that she, you know, may go elsewhere. She's obviously going to have a baby and probably take some time off, but she hasn't really, by the sounds of it, she said afterwards, had many assurances about the future or knows what's going to happen in terms of budgets and what the impact of relegation will be for both the men's and women's team, which is a massive frustration for them. Um, and it will be interesting. Before we get on to Chelsea, though, want to ask you guys on sort of the future of Reading, but also Kelly Chambers. She got uh, a special shirt on Saturday to commemorate being at Reading 20 years as a player, assistant, and then taking over as head coach. Where do you think her next move should be? Some people have been saying, oh, maybe she'll take the Tottenham job. Um, she you know, probably does deserve a a leg up at a club which has more resource than Reading, but anyone think where she might go to next? Well, there's one manager, a real vacancy in the WSL at the moment, <laughs> isn't there? So I think West Ham would make more sense than Spurs. Um, I just think, I don't know why, I can't figure out what Spurs want to do, but I feel like Kelly Chambers is someone who wants to be able to have a lot of oversight, and I don't know if you get that at a club at Spurs, and I think you might get more of that at somewhere like West Ham. Um but I don't know. Part of me is like, oh, it'd be nice to see her stay at Reading because everyone is talking about, like, they're dead as a football team. <laughs> but, like, I know, obviously, on the men's side, like, things aren't great, but I think they've got a lot of things going for them. And you've seen the way, like, Bristol City came back up and I think their proximity to London, like, makes them a trust attractive prospect for loanees from, like, bigger WSL clubs and they've brought through a lot of good young players. So, yeah, I find it interesting. Like, maybe it is. Maybe that was, like, part of the presentation. It is a foregone conclusion that she's just going. But I think it would be nice if she wanted to stay. Yeah, I think they will need her to stay as well to fight for the women's side because the financial situation at Reading isn't looking great. If you don't have someone like Kelly Chambers maybe there who knows the club so well and has those relationships, who's who's able to fight for the money, which might help them survive, then I think also that's a massive part of it. Jilly, where where do you think her next move should be? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean I'd like to see it at West Ham, um, just because I think she could 
she she's done it at Reading. You know what I mean? She's she's built that club up, um, and I think being at somewhere like West Ham, where she would be probably given a lot of uh, responsibility and she'd have a lot of input. I really do think she could push for more for the women's team. Um, I do think sometimes as well, it's a bit like she's been there 20 years. She's, not that she's comfortable there, but you're looking at it in the way that Redding have gone this year. Like There was never any talk about her getting sacked or anything like that because she is Redding. And it sort of seems like maybe it's a chance for her in her managerial career to go, how good can I really be? You know, by going to a new club and... Because obviously she's always been known as, she, as Reading. Like when I stayed, made my debut for Arsenal, she was a centre-back for Reading um, and the captain. So I would like to see her maybe try a new a new change of environment because I think she's a good manager. Like I, I really like Kay Chambers, I think, as a, a man manager as well with players. like I think she's really good at that side of things. So it'd be, it'd be good to see her somewhere else. Yeah, good luck to her and, and obviously a big summer for her with what's coming up in her personal life. But it'll be exciting to hopefully see her get an opportunity. Let's talk about Chelsea though because they did win the title on Saturday. Jesse, in those first kind of like 15 minutes when Reading had a lot of the ball but didn't do anything but Sam Kerr misses that opportunity. I felt like Reading had most possession the first 10 minutes but nothing happened, right? I, I didn't feel like that. I just want to... I had for, two points. For listeners, there was a very confused look on Jesse's face when Flo said that. That's, that's what the giggles were about. It was basically... I get what your point is. There was a point when... Aaron Literally, Cuthbert I'm talking about eight hit, minutes. Aaron Cuthbert's shot hit the bar. The Sam Kerr miss, I was like, whatever, Sam Kerr. But I'm talking about before, so before the Sam Kerr miss, the Sam Kerr miss comes in the 14th minute, right? The the, the previous 10 or so, Reading had just oh been kind of like passing it's it around. No, and doing it wasn't worried. It's getting worried. a bit fiery. No, 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 remember not, the game. Not, not, <laughs> not worried, not worried. But when that Sam Kerr miss happened, where she skies it from like two yards, where were you a bit like, ooh, maybe the juju's a bit off today? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. Sam Kerr miss and the Aaron Cuthbert shot hitting the ball bar I was like oh god it's not gonna be like yes right like the last time we came here and yeah. had like 36 shots or something insane and couldn't score but then I didn't have to wait long for us to score well, exactly so the, the wor- I think also because I think if United had scored really early I would have been like but because that was nil nil um, I was like, well, it's fine if we draw, like, when they draw, we're still going to win. And so. that's also what I mean is that there was never really any threat at all from what Reading were doing. Deanne Rose was only allowed to play 30 minutes because of her injury, so she comes off. She before I thought it was weird they picked the weird. first 30 yeah. rather than the I don't know. I, I guess they thought, could we Maybe do something get, yeah. in that first half an hour? But she was so isolated. She kept receiving the ball kind of like just ahead of the halfway line and then would be surrounded by like four Chelsea players and was trying to work her way out of it. But she did it once to try and do it again after coming back from an Achilles injury is, yeah, is, is, is a huge task. So I did feel for Reading because then they had to take her off um, and that was sort of all they had on the break, completely gone. And then it was Justine Van Havenmet misses a massive opportunity before half time, and then Chelsea get their second, and then you know, right, the game is done. And it, then it sort of just felt like this procession of the Chelsea's title. And and to be honest, they they have deserved this title on. April and May alone really on their performances and obviously that consistency across the season. Jesse, would you say this is the best of the Chelsea titles? How do you think this one measures up? I don't know. I think 
2020, 2021 was when we played the best football. Um, but I do think in terms of what that squad has had to go through with the rotations, with Harder and Kirby being out for large chunks, with Bright Buchanan being out, um, like the way the injuries really piled up and the number of players that Hayes managed to use through, across the season, the number of minutes is like, it's bonkers. I think before the last day of the season, like no Chelsea player played more than 1690s across the whole across the whole season. Whereas Manchester United had nine players who'd done that. Like in terms, that's how set their starting eleven was compared to how Chelsea's was. Um, I find it hard to like distinguish and be like which is the it's all most a blur impressive. Now. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I guess just because each win and each season like comes with its own different challenges and maybe this one felt a bit strange because the focus was so obviously the Champions League for, whereas I think last year because we went out Champions League at group stages it was from January on it's like well we just play to, to win domestically um, whereas it felt like Chelsea didn't almost didn't turn their attention to it until we got knocked out of the Champions League um, which I get and I'm like it's the record points total right so I guess in that sense that's what's funny like everyone's like uh, Chelsea were a bit like meh like they, they didn't have a great season you're like but they won more games than anyone's ever done before they got more points than anyone's ever done before um, but people I think have still come away with a bit of a question mark on it and I can't really figure out why that is I think maybe it's because there's been no like big star moment or I think no it's just, big comprehensive win I think but. it's just because we're used to them being so relentless across an entire season like yes we're used to them maybe losing a game and it being weird that Liverpool game was like the weird one the Reading game last year we was gave the weird everyone one. a three point head start I don't understand but <laughs> I think it's the Conti Cup which makes people feel like it hasn't been the best ever Chelsea season and those other slightly moments like that defeat to City. But I think all that does is speak to like Chelsea's just like dominance because the expectations of that are just bonkers. The idea that like a team loses a game in a domestic cup final and that is therefore Mars their season when they then go and win the domestic double is is hilarious right? Like I think it's also but just the manner of the performances it's the it's the it's the way that they collapsed in that game against Arsenal and it's the way that they just looked a mess against City, right? Those are the markers why people think, oh, this isn't perhaps the best that we've seen Chelsea do. We had those moments in that Champions League final run when they were a bit like, whoa, or that Wolfsburg group stage where they had diarrhoea. <laughs> but, but, but overall, I think, yeah, I think... But it's interesting though because I think that's like, a, that's because of how relentless they've been because I think if Chelsea had... If Chelsea were united and they'd never won anything before, you wouldn't think about the Conti Cup final at the end of the season. You would think about the win against Arsenal on the penultimate day or like grinding out the 1-0 against United in a crazy month of fixtures. Like, I think that's why it's interesting why those things stand out to people. It's because they're like less unusual. But that doesn't mean like the wins during the season were any less impressive. It's just you've seen more of them. So, And I just think it's a shame because, as I say, like, no one's ever got as many points as this Chelsea team. So, like, on a statistical basis, they are the best team the WSL's ever seen. And I get, like, obviously, football isn't just, like, played on a spreadsheet. Um, and I agree, I don't think Chelsea have played as good football, but I also think it's it would be weird to, like, just have the Conti Cup final loss as, like, the marker of the season. No, I still think they've... They've been absolutely brutal and been phenomenal. I also think, like you say, what has summed up this Chelsea team is the fact that 
they haven't always looked their best and be able to grind out important results, which is something in itself, right? That's that that is the sign of an, a great team that don't don't necessarily always need to play that well. And like you say, it's not been the season where they've played the best football, but they have still achieved a record points total, and that in itself is a tremendous achievement. And the fact that you then come away from that and thinking, oh, but they haven't been that great, is actually kind of scary because then you think, oh god, what if they were? actually playing at their best and at their peak then what more is to come with all those other teams chasing as well Jilly it's obviously one of your former teams and I know you were kind of catching up with people on Saturday as well but how do you think with the team that you played with at Chelsea how do you think this one measures up as well well (laughs) (laughs) no I mean listen the 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 players now are I'd say better but obviously they're they're all more full time, do you know what I mean? Like, and obviously we first started out, um, but naturally the the team is stronger, I'd say, than players that we had. Um, but I think with with Chelsea, you see you've seen a different side to them winning this year and the way they've had to win. I think about that United game at home, where Lauren James's goal uh, assist for Sam Kerr's goal, like. In that game, they had to sit off and let Man United have the possession. And that's not something that Chelsea are used to doing, but they've had to learn to win the sort of the dirty way, you know, like the not attractive way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I was talking to Emma on obviously Saturday, and it's just they're just serial winners. There's there's no doubt in their mind that they was going to win the game um, and win the league. And she says about how it's so stressful, and she's like, how how do we go again? Like someone asked me yesterday do you think she carries on? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, Emma's a bit like that with the mind games. will be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to carry on. Like, she's going to carry on. Um, I think the one thing that they definitely do want is the Champions League. And I feel like until they do win that, she's not going to be happy. Um, but even like in regards to recruitment, they're saying sadly their business is done. They know players who are going. They know where they need to strengthen. Um, but I've just been impressed this year by Chelsea because I feel like they've had to learn a different way on how to win. So they've won four in a row, five of the last six, Kate. United pushed them fairly close, but in the end, it was quite straightforward for Chelsea on the last day. Arsenal are going to strengthen. City, Gareth Taylor said that there's not going to be a ton of recruitment for them this summer. United will need to put in a lot of work this summer. So how do you think people challenge or try and take this Chelsea side off the top? find a way of winning the way Chelsea do. Like Julie said, it's maybe not always the most attractive, but don't get me wrong, they can play attractive football as well and they kill you, like they threaten you, they they sense danger against good teams, teams that are struggling, they find a way of winning all the time. Um, that's where, I mean, Man United, to be fair to them, they kept scoring in last minutes, I mean, quite a few times this season. I know Jesse said last time uh, we were on the pod, like how... How long does that last? How long can you keep that going? But if you're finding a way of winning, that's what you need. Um, I, I'm quite surprised by um, Taylor's comments about not really recruiting many um, over the summer because I think they Were do. Were you thinking, need shit, I guess I'm not going to man. <laughs> that's my deal I might done. be that one signing. You know? <laughs> they said they want a big signing. <laughs> big in terms of the wrong things. Everyone would be like, what the fuck is this signing? Um, no, I think. I would think they need three or four players at least just to even try and get back in Champions League because I can't see the other teams sitting there doing nothing. Villa again, the way they finished the season, um, beating Arsenal, 
Rachel Daly, unbelievable, the amount of goals that she's scored. So they're going to be looking to try and challenge that top four, like top four as well and break into that. Um, I just can't, I, at the moment, I just cannot see Chelsea not winning things. But like Gilly just said, I think for Emma, the biggest thing has to be the Champions League. And I don't think people will put Chelsea in that completely elite category until they win that. I don't know how you feel about that, Jesse, but I think for them, it's almost like the Man City situation with Pep Guardiola. It's like City are unbelievable, but until they win that Champions League, they're not going to get the credit that, that they deserve. Yeah, I, I think it is like that, and I, I feel the same. I think the thing that's interesting that I, I do sometimes find bizarre, and I know Hayes was asked about a Guardiola comparison, is that lots of people still recognise that Guardiola's a very good coach and City mm-hmm. are a very good team, and sometimes I think there's this sense of like, oh, but like, Chelsea haven't won the Champions League, even though, you know, a semi-final and a final in, in the past three seasons is not bad going. Um, but I get it at the same time, like, and I think also the thing is, maybe people would feel differently about it if Chelsea were a bit more like a Wolfsburg where they repeatedly get to the final and just because they don't win, you get that it's one off game. Um, so, but I think this year's Champions League performance was obviously way better than, than last year's. Um, and I think it was, that was an important, those games were important for Chelsea in terms of showing that they could compete with the best in Europe. And I feel like maybe internally there was some doubt in their own minds in the same way that there was externally about Europe and I feel like they answered some of those questions that season even though obviously they didn't make the final Um, but then saying that they're so up and down in Europe who who knows and we might have to go through qualifying if Wolfsburg win the final I think it's also funny because like asking Emma about those Guardiola comparisons as well as that I think people also don't want to make the City comparison because of the different financial situations not just because it's men's and women's football but obviously when people are currently talking about the context of Guardiola and City they say Guardiola is a fantastic coach but City have a ridiculous amount of money and their squad is so um, is so incredible there obviously are some comparisons you can make to the investment that Chelsea have made but also I think they have just been so smart and strategic with their recruitment Aaron Cuthbert coming over at 18 and becoming one of the most important players in the squad. Guro Wrighton arriving for absolutely nothing and basically, you know, being definitely Chelsea's best player and should really be player of the season. City in the men's game have just spent a shitload to build the most expensive squad ever assembled in the history of football, right? And where Chelsea have invested those pockets on transfer fees and wages to build a team, there is also much, I think, smarter recruitment and strategy across the whole club that should be looked at beyond just the fact that they win loads and they have a dominance in the women's game like City have in the men's game. It's not it's not as clear-cut. And maybe that's me just negging on City men because it's kind of boring the fact they win it. But that boringness to me doesn't feel the same. I don't feel that boringness in the women's game with Chelsea winning that I do in the men's game. Do you think if Pep Guardiola was to manage Man City women, they would win the Women's Champions League? Yes. Yes. He's, <laughs> yes. Make it happen, City. That would be. I would love that. Would be that. So good. Can you imagine that? Like, I would love that. I think he should do it. You know. He must be bored of always winning bored, the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. Come yeah. win the WSL, I, the greatest <laughs> league in the world. That would be really fun. I always think that about like big managers who have won everything. I'm like, okay, but you have like loads of money. Like, go and manage a really tiny shit team. Not that Man City were really shit. Wow, <laughs> savage. But like, you know, even a really shit men's team. Show me what you're really made of. If you can win the Champions League with Man City women, you can do anything, in my opinion. 
Wow. I, I don't think it should be that hard to win the Champions League with Man City women. Well, they can't get through the qualifier <laughs> every year. I think we I think we sort of touched on this on the on the last pod, but I also think it's nice the way in the post match Emma Hayes flipped those Guardiola comparisons to look at Vic Akers and Arsenal. And we reflected on the fact that it was obviously a very different time when Arsenal were winning everything with the women's team. And that what that makes what Emma Hayes has done with Chelsea even more impressive because she's done that with everyone else spending more and everything else becoming more competitive. And that's also the difference for me is that where you see men's teams killing themselves to keep touch with Manchester City, sorry, Becky, Liverpool being the prime example, <laughs> and Arsenal this season. What I think has been great about Chelsea's dominance, and obviously Chelsea fans will think this, but other clubs may not, is that that competition has driven standards across the league and pushed clubs like Manchester United to, to get to where they have this season and Arsenal to an extent over the last couple of seasons and Manchester City. And although they haven't won as much as Chelsea, which their fans will be gutted about, it still led to a better season as a whole for everyone. Whereas probably the men's game is everyone just exhaust themselves and City are the only ones left standing at the end of the day. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think the the difference is that City have, like, or at least this year, you know, obviously won the title with a number of games to go. I know that hasn't happened every season, but Chelsea have won on the last day of all of the last three seasons. And then obviously the fourth one is the COVID one. So, and that was on points per game. Um, so, and I guess it's been exciting in that there's been a different team coming second each time as well. But then the flip side is, is like, I enjoy it, but it can't be that enjoyable for everyone else. Well, also, I don't... Chelsea lift the FA Cup and league title. I don't have a dog in the seasons. fight because I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a WSL team. So obviously I can look at this as just like a pundit and think, this is really exciting, even though Chelsea are the ones winning it over and over again. But yeah, I can imagine Arsenal fans like, I'm bored this of is it. shit. I'm over it. <laughs> Becky's been very anti-Chelsea yeah, this I, season. That, so anti-Chelsea that I would rather United Do you win. know what my, the biggest honour would be? Go on. Is if you brought back the studs, anyone but Leon me, but for, <laughs> for Chelsea. Chelsea. That's when I would really That's feel true like, we, yeah, yeah, true greatness. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll maybe I'll think next about season. It. Yeah, great, cool. Glad we got that sorted. Um, let's talk about some of the other stuff that went down on the final day. Next, right? We should really give a bit of credit as well to Willie Kirk because it, I think a lot of people on the weekend were rightly shouting out what he'd done with Leicester after they secured their safety, and Emma Hayes and, and Carla Ward rightly getting so much love for what they've done with Chelsea and Aston Villa this season. But Willie Kirk does deserve a lot of credit because he took over when Leicester had zero points. And I believe on this very pod, we thought they had a very slim chance of staying up. And I always believed. <laughs> that, that, I, do, I might be lying. I actually don't remember, but I'm going to say it. I always believed. That could in many ways be, you know, something that, that, that Reading perhaps to kind of let slip as well that, that the gap was so big but they finished the season with 16 points and above Brighton end up in 10th place and with the quality that that squad has compared to pretty much all the other teams in the division I mean maybe their quality is close-ish to to Reading especially as Reading didn't have Deanne Rose for the majority of the season it is a phenomenal achievement to finish where they have Kate and it's probably exciting as well. Obviously, the men's team got relegated, which 
may have an impact on the women's side. But it's exciting, I think, for Leicester now to maybe look up and look ahead next season. If they can hold on to Willie Kirk as well, because he'll be a manager in demand, I'm sure. Yeah, what a job he's done, because... I mean, even just for morale in the team, how you get a team motivated, even just one or two wins to then believe that they can stay up. I think the other issue has been that other teams are also not picking up points. So you've always got that kind of a little bit of belief maybe that if you can get on a good run. But I think when you've got zero points, it's like, okay, what's the what are the chances of actually going on a good run? Um, but I've been impressed with them. I really have since he's come in. I think he likes to play out from the back. He wants to make every player comfortable on the ball, which they are. Um, I think they kind of lack a goal scorer. I think they need that if they want to start progressing and try and look to finish mid-table. I do think they need a goal scorer because when they played us, they had so many shots and should have scored, but they just didn't have anyone that could really put it in the back of the net. I heard a Kate Longhurst one-touch finish is available. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, Willie. Yeah, I think that's probably what they lack. Maybe... They need to strengthen in certain areas, but I think they've got the makings and the potential, um, the facilities to actually be a club that can now sustain their WSL status and look to build on that. Sort of like a Reading when they first came in, having a good, a good-ish first season in terms of staying up and things like that. But it's something they can progress with. But like you say, I don't know how impactful the men getting relegated will actually have on their women's team hopefully no impact at all but you just don't know financially I don't know what's available for them they do um, have good owners yeah. So yeah you would hope that yeah. they would carry on and the men's team are going to have to cut so much because they have the seventh highest wage bill in oh the my God, that's crazy <laughs> I know and it's actually really interesting the Athletic wow. um, Leicester uh, correspondent Rob Tanner did a big piece about Leicester like on the whistle when they got relegated obviously like prepped and ready to go it's really interesting because in that piece he mentioned the new training ground that Leicester men had moved to and obviously the women took on these called Belvoir Drive or something. Really nice training ground and that's been a really important foundation for them. And in the piece he reflected that actually the, the new training ground for the men has been a ma- massive mistake because everyone's quite separated. It's made team morale really bad and you know they haven't really been able to make that like a good foundation because it's all kind of split and a bit shiny, a bit too corporate and they haven't got the kind of nice inclusive atmosphere they had before. So I thought that was quite interesting because now it's like the women have got like a better situation in the old training ground. Anyway, Jesse, we talked about, I think earlier in this season, about Leicester with the women's project, maybe kind of running before they could walk a little bit with playing games in King Power, with having the training ground, but not necessarily having the recruitment. Do you think this will be a nice way for them to build this summer and and, and push on? Well, I think what it shows is how important it is having a good manager really and like I know Willie Kirk kind of came in in a more like of a director of football role but I think everyone knew like what a good manager he was and you know I think even when Everton fired him that still felt very bizarre given they'd lost a load of games but they'd had to play like City, Arsenal and Chelsea I think Um, and he's kind of shown again like how how quickly he can he can put a team together and I always think that's that's the mark of a good manager right like it's very easy for um managers to say oh the old I couldn't possibly be thinking of Frank Lampard oh the old regime (laughs) oh like you know there's just nothing I can do you've just got to deal with it but I just think like good managers come in and they they input their structure and um yeah they change the attitudes around among players And I think that's what you've seen with Leicester this season I do still feel like their squad is very 
very weak. Um, but, you know, like they they did recruit well in January. Um, and if they can convert some of those loans, like specifically Leipzig, into permanent signings. Um, we've seen teams with, with smaller um, squads or less experienced squads do well in WSL because there's so many teams which are just terribly, terribly run. Um, and I think that's that's why it's so important for Leicester that having someone like Kirk in the building just automatically gives you an advantage over clubs who seem to have no idea or like no interest in assessing how their season's gone and, and maybe why it hasn't worked out. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of, I think they'll still be like in and around the bottom half of the table next season. I don't think we're going to, unless there's a significant investment. And yeah, with the men going down, that feels unlikely. Um, but they're not the team who you'd earmark, I think, to go down next season. Gilly, we've got to also shout out Carla Ward because Aston Villa got a massive win at Arsenal on the final day, which I think got lost amongst everything um, because Arsenal, I guess, had nothing to play for because they'd already secured Champions League. But there was a moment when City were 3-0 up and Arsenal were losing 2-0 that we potentially could have had the goal swing that we were dreaming of, but it didn't happen in the end. But I do think that that um, that win for Villa kind of got lost a little bit, but that ends their season on a high and yeah Carla Ward deserves massive credit and all the players and the recruitment and what the club have done because to do what they did this morning this morning to do what they did this season and push through and challenge the status quo and also given the fact that other teams have invested this season especially Spurs and Villa have have got a record points total they uh, surpassed their number of goals they scored like halfway through the season already, uh, they finished with forty. What was it? Forty something goals in the end, and that they, their previous best was like thirteen or something like that. So they've done amazing this season. Sometimes that's quite a challenge, though, because you've got to match that or better that next season. Otherwise, it's going to be frustrating. Carl Ward given a new contract, which is brilliant. But what do you think they're going to try and do this summer now? Well, we got a shout out, Carnival, don't we? Because she obviously listens to this pod. So, <laughs> Carla, hello. We love you. <laughs> Be nice. <laughs> um, but no, but I felt when, which I said this to Rachel Corsi recently as well, when we played them, um, I don't know if it was like November time, I thought Villa were very poor um, and they beat us 1 0, which I don't think they should have. A dubious penalty. Um, but I. Ref watch. <laughs> yeah. Did you give it away? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they run past me, but I didn't give it away. Um, but then I felt from January onwards, they just really kicked on. Um, I do think getting Jordan Nobbs was a was a very good signing for them. Obviously, they were brought in Lucy Stanningforth as well. I think Rachel Daly's just been huge from this year because she's given the goals. That, I mean, imagine if someone like Leicester had a Rachel Daly. You know, we could have been looking at a very different position for them. But I do think especially their result obviously against Arsenal and the way they've ended the season I do think going into the end of season recruitment I think they'll find it a lot easier to bring players in and this sort of that attraction of listen these are the players that we've got obviously Daly, Nobbs obviously Daly's done brilliant this year and then that's attractive for players to come there and go I want to play for this team you know that they're competing um, and obviously they're going to want to push on next year to t- try and get into the top three. I do think it will be difficult, again, because I just think, obviously, you're looking at the, the top four. I do think it'll be hard to get into that three, but I think the way they've ended this season, um, it's going to be attractive for other players if they want to go and sign for them. Kay Longhurst, Aston Villa, <laughs> rumours starting now. Yeah, I don't think they... Yeah. <laughs> 
This is your I've got enough experience in Woodfield. Yeah. <laughs> Carla's listening. <laughs> Tell her right now. I do, love, I do love claret and blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we go, guys, we have to we have to shout out Bayern Munich women because oh my god, madness. They. It was funny because we obviously had the chaos. Did you guys see what happened in yeah. the men's Bundesliga yeah. on the final day? Absolute chaos. We were, I was trying to digest that while actually working at the Chelsea game and trying to follow along. But obviously, in case you missed it on Twitter, Dortmund playing at home in the men's Bundesliga on the final day. They ended up losing the title to Bayern. Bayern scoring in the last minute to take the title away from Dortmund. And it was very sad and very emotional for Dortmund. But it did mean we got some Lederhosen action on the final day. Lederhosen clad In the Frauen Bundesliga. And it was sehr toll, I will tell you. Um, Georgia Stanway uh, singing Sweet Caroline oh. in Munich, uh, whatever it was, um, Marienplatz like, or something. What, what a the town centre is. On the, on the side of that fancy old building. She I've just not seen this. Right. <gasps> but also the... They were singing slightly off, oh which annoyed yes. me. Not a note or and just beat hit so by Georgia Stanley. She sings the entire song, like basically on her own for like this gigantic crowd of people oh off God. like an iconic German it's amazing. building. It's amazing. So anyway, um, we were trying to create uh, a bit of jeopardy and say maybe Bayern Munich won't win the title on the final day, but they did. They beat Potsdam, already relegated 11-1. They were... Oh, was that the final score? Yeah, they were 7-0 up after 40 minutes or something. No. Yeah, I was... Watched it was the crazy. first 20 minutes and then they were 4 0 up, and I was like, I'm gonna go. I've really got loads of work to <laughs> I do. Go. I, can't, I can't like excuse myself by watching this game. But Bayern Munich men were in the crowd in their Lederhosen, which was very cute. And then they all went down the cent- city centre with a few cans in their Lederhosen. Iconic. And it was just fantastic. I was really sad for Dortmund men on the day before, but actually now I am so thankful. Yeah, she worked because out well. What iconic scenes from, yeah. from Bayern. <laughs> I loved it. To have double Lederhosen, double celebrations also Georgia Samway loves a town centre celebration do you remember that famous <laughs> yeah, bus one? one do one do one yeah I, I don't know I, I mean I do speak German but I can't right now do the equivalent of <laughs> what I want to do one would be in German but I feel like she just loves a big big show at a big parade so yeah. my favourite part so I I'll show you obviously I'll show you the video immediately after of her singing but I then saw the beginning of it and like how they like how it began because when the video that I saw she was just already singing yeah but there's this German like announcer who's like and so we're gonna play Georgia we know what your favourite song is (laughs) Will you sing it for us? <laughs> it's like proper karaoke. It doesn't. It's not like it doesn't happen naturally. They're like, and she's like, yeah, I will. <laughs> it's so funny. Amazing, amazing. Um, this isn't our last show of the season. Don't worry, listeners. I know a few people on Twitter were panicking. Fuming at me. Yeah, some people were actually fuming and then said, uh, can you let us know when it actually <laughs> is the last one so we can get upset. So we've got, obviously, reaction to the Champions League. We're going to have a preview for the Champions League as well. We're going to be re- reacting to the England squad announcement later this week. We're also going to be doing a little fun end-of-season episode, giving out a few awards, a few serious ones, but, of course, mostly silly ones because you know what we like on this show. Um, And also, you can expect a few little specials ahead of the World Cup. And of course, we're going to be here throughout the World Cup as well. So until then, we will see you soon.